Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. How many know that, uh, how many of you have ever been or are or will? <laughs> Some of you know what it is to have an inheritance, right? You've received an inheritance. Some of you have. Some of you, how many of you know, some of you want to leave an inheritance? Nobody. Glad I'm not. My mother should have raised her hand, okay? <laughs> listen, I am, listen, all that stuff you were saying about parents starting the conversation about your brother is great, that's how she begins her conversations with my sisters. Just want you to know that, all right? But let me know that, how many know there's, maybe, maybe, how many know you can actually do things that might actually take you out of the inheritance? Oh, I've heard some stories about that. How, how many know you could do things that might increase your inheritance? Hmm? Now, far be it for me to ever share a shameless plug. <laughs> but I've, I've shared this with you months and months ago, but. I just felt that going into this, talking about an heir and inheritance, that I just want you to know that Carson has pretty much cemented hers. If you might remember this, I might, I, I'm not sure if I shared it with you in March or not. But in case I didn't, let me share this Facebook post from Penny. She says, God, I love grandkids. I'm driving Carson to school, and she randomly says, I'm, I'm glad Mommy and Daddy picked me. I say to her, I'm so glad too. She then proceeds to say, because I got the pappy I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hers is cemented in concrete. <laughs> the car is already on hold. <laughs> Peter, did you ever hear that one before? <laughs> I, I want to talk today about living like an heir, and it's going to take me a little bit to get there. I promise not to preach real long, three or four hours. And um, I did a wedding yesterday. I was so excited to do this wedding yesterday because this is what happened. When I went to the rehearsal on Friday night, they said to me, now, how long does it take for the stuff you do up front that, you know, the intent and different things? I said, oh, it doesn't take long. It's only, you know, like five minutes or something like that. And it may be this or that. She said, oh, she's got this wrinkled face. And I'm like, what? Well, I'm just hoping it'd be longer. I said, what? I nev- Nobody tell- ever tells me they want me to speak longer. I said, what? She said, well, we're waiting to speak on marriage for like 15 minutes. I'm like, wow, these are the, they're the best couple in the world, you know? But I got I to share this message with you this morning. I, turn with me to the book of Titus, uh, the chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Paul's writing to one of his protégés. Timothy was a protégé. Titus was a protégé. And these pastors, and he's writing to them. And um, chapter 3, verse 1 I'll start with verse 1, then we're going to pick up with verse 3 on the screen. Remind them to be subject to rollers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Now, here's where we'll pick it up. For we also, once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, Hateful, hating one another. How many know all of us have had a past life before Christ? You know, some of us can actually give a testimony that that life was incredibly wretched and evil. Some of us can give a testimony that maybe it wasn't 
as seemingly as evil as others, but how many know we're equally lost? All of us before Christ lived lost, lived according to the flesh, lived in a status and lived in a state of unbelief and not being saved. We were disobedient to God. We were enslaved. We had various lusts and pleasures. You know, the Bible tells me that Christ came, and the reason Christ came was to set me apart from these things, so that I would no longer be enslaved, that I would no longer be hateful. I would no longer hate people. I would no longer live in malice and envy. How many know that's what should happen in our life when we come to know Jesus? Christ, I never understand this one. And I read this, and I said, man, I don't understand it. Christ came to set me free from the past. Yet there are some who still hate. If I hate someone, how many know I'm still enslaved in the past? I don't get it. You say you're a believer. You say you love Jesus. You say you love God. You say you're born again. You say you're born anew from above. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. And yet somehow you tolerate and justify hatred towards somebody. I don't understand that. And so what I'm saying to you is this. That when we are living in that way, how many know we're still a slave? We're still a slave to the past. Because we won't let it go. We don't want to let it go. We want to feel justified. We want to feel that I have the right to hate somebody. And yet, the Bible says the very purpose that Christ came was to set me free from sin. To set me free from death. To set me free from hatred, malice, and envy. And so why would I want to tolerate something in my life that Jesus paid the price to set me free from? How is it that we can come to a place and tolerate that and justify that? Now watch this. So Paul says, but, in verse 4, but when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. All right, so get this. So Paul's saying we were once disobedient. We were once enslaved. We once were hateful. We once hated one another. We once had these lusts that we were um, caught in. He said, but now, because of the Lord, we are set free of these. But now, what is this cataclysmic event that happened that would cause us to be set free from the past, to be enabled to be free? And it says, but when the kindness of God appeared. When the kindness of God appeared. When the kindness of God appeared. How did the kindness of God appear? Jesus. Jesus was the kindness of God. Jesus was the demonstration of the kindness of God. Jesus was the demonstration of the love of God. If I say I love you, if I, say, if I tell you I love my wife and never express the love for my wife, how many know I probably don't love my wife? Christ came to set us free. He was the kindness of God on demonstration. I think about this. It's an amazing thing. How many know it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? We, we gotta, this is something we've got to understand. Paul said in Romans, do not think lightly of the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. 
the kindness, the goodness of God draws me in, says I want to change my mind. I want to change how I live. I don't want to live that way anymore. Christ was the kindness of God revealed. He was the goodness of God revealed. God's like, how do I show my kindness to the world? Here's Christ. How do I show my love? How do I show my character? How do I show my nature to the world? Christ. Christ was the truth of God revealed. He was the grace of God revealed. He was the love of God revealed. You know, sometimes you can look at the God of the Old Testament and kind of get this, ooh, he's an angry tyrant. You know, if you committed adultery in the Old Testament, they stoned you. How many of you know, I'm glad they don't do stoning today. I mean, I did an illustration for you a couple years ago. None of us would legitimately pick up a stone today, would we? And cast it and stone somebody to death? But the 21st century stoning has become social media. But we will hurl stones on social media. We will hurl hatred on social media. We will hate and we will malign and we will do all that on social media because how many know it's a little more innocuous? If you wouldn't pick it up in your hand and throw it, don't throw it on social media. Youch. Now, Pastor, you leave our stuff alone. Rick just showed us how to get on social media, and now you're messing with us. You see, what was the defining difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament? Now, we know his nature is always the same. But you have to understand something. Part of the difference is that Christ was the fulfillment of everything Old Testament. Therefore, God could deal with things in the New Testament era differently. Without Christ, how many know he still would have been handling it the old way? But because of Christ, you and I aren't stoned when we sin. You and I aren't banished from the camp. Because of the kindness and goodness of God, we are treated differently because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. All right? Caught in the adultery in the Old Testament, you were stoned. Caught in adultery in the New Testament, what did Jesus say? You who are without sin, throw the first stone. And then he writes, he he was writing in the ground. And I told you before, I believe he put an addendum to the law. But then he said what? He said, go and leave your life of sin. There was, a, there was a difference in how God was dealing with it. And the difference was better because of Christ. When you had leprosy in the Old Testament, you were banished from the camp and you were exiled. But now, what? Christ is touching lepers, healing lepers, embracing lepers, healing them. Aren't you glad that God deals with us through Christ? Where would we be if it was not for Christ? The Gospels, when you read the Gospels, the Gospels are the kindness of God revealed through Christ. The Gospels are the kindness and the goodness and the love of God demonstrated in Christ. When you read the, when you read the Gospels, you are reading about Jesus and you are getting a revelation of the Father. The greatest revelation of the Father is Jesus Christ. Watch this, and he goes on, he goes on. He says, he saved us, not on the basis of the deeds which we've done in righteousness, 
I mean, no, your church attendance today isn't save you. Your money is not going to save you. Your church attendance, your Sunday school attendance, your whatever you want to tag isn't going to save you. But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, it's interesting. So here's what happens. God, we have a former life. God sent his son into the world. The kindness of God appears in the form of Jesus Christ and the love of God. And now you and I heard a message. How many of you remember hearing the message of the gospel? The message of Jesus Christ, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, the love of God. And, it's a, and it was an appearance to you, if you will, right? Because God me know God poured out his kindness for all mankind, not just the redeemed. He poured out his blood for all of humanity, not just the redeemed. It was so all humanity could see the kindness of God and become part of the bride. And now I receive that. I receive that message. I receive it by faith. And something happens, and Titus used the word. I become regenerated. I'm regenerated. It's a nice, cool word. Regenerated. Right? What's it mean? It means new birth. Reproduced. Regenerated. The production of new life. Consecrated to God. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? He said, truly, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born anew from above. Nicodemus says, how's a man go into his mother's womb again? How many know you were born into this world with a sin nature? You were born into this world according to a worldly structure. But the Bible tells me by faith, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm born anew out of this world and born into the kingdom of God. I'm born anew from above. When I hear the message of the goodness and I hear the message of God's grace and his love and his kindness, and I come to that place and I put my faith in him, what does the Bible say? The, the, the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. I am born again. You are born again. And there's this regeneration process. Actually, I mean, no new birth is an event. Hmm? Uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been born more than once? Physically, not, not spiritually. Physically. Is there anybody here today that has been born twice? Okay, just, I'm just checking. I want to make sure I got my facts right. All of us have been born one time into this world. It was a one-time event. There wasn't a second time. There wasn't a third time. There wasn't a fourth time. If I could go back and do it over again, I'd come out taller. My daughter was complaining last night about her jeans. She was complaining that she didn't look like a Victoria's Secret model who was six foot whatever because she has a five foot three mother and a five foot 11 father. Like it's our fault. <laughs> Listen, what I got from her, I gave to you. I can't help it, okay? <laughs> the fact is you're born once. But then the Bible says, I'm, I'm born again. That moment I put my faith in Jesus Christ, that moment I accept the goodness of God. But listen to me. But then Paul, sa- or Paul says to him, but not only were you regenerated, 
but also you are being renewed and you're being renewed by the Holy Spirit, all right? Now watch this. I want you to understand something. Regeneration is a moment, but renewal is a lifetime. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I still was rough around the edges. And I'm about 25 years down the road, and I'm still rough around the edges. Who said that? It was really eager to say that, okay? The, the point of the matter is, I'm not getting saved over and over and over again. You know what? Some of you need to stop getting saved over and over and over again. Some of you need to allow the Holy Spirit to clean some junk out and get rid of some garbage and do the renewal process, okay? The renewal is a complete change for the better. It's a renovation project. We're doing a construction project over here. It's not a one-time event, trust me. If I mention how much I hate firewall, just want you to know, now I hate insulation. But listen to me for a moment. You see, because God in his goodness brings you to a place where now he says, I'm gonna put my spirit in you and my Holy Spirit in you is going to mold you, shape you, guide you, lead you. It's gonna make you into a new person. You remember the Old Testament story about King Saul? What was it that made him into a new person, a different person? It was the Spirit of God. I am not the same that I once was because the Spirit of God lives in me. It doesn't mean I still don't struggle time to time. It doesn't mean I still don't have those moments. But those moments are generally confronted by the Holy Spirit who brings you to a place of conviction in order to help change how you're living. Now, i got to hurry up because i got a whole lot to say yet. And everybody's really happy, right? One person over here somewhere. And Paul goes on. So that being justified by his grace, we will be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's what I really want to focus. Am I boring you, Lindsay? I saw that big yawn. (laughs) How would you like to be her getting picked on? Listen to me. So Paul says, here's what happens. You once were this. The kindness of God appeared. You're no longer that because you've been regenerated. You've been born again by faith in Christ Jesus. And what God did was God put his spirit inside of you so that you're undergoing this renewing of your life. All right? And the reason that he does that is because something happened by faith. You became a son. You became a child of God. You became an heir. And how many know it's the responsibility of the father to raise the child and renew the child and raise them to a place of maturity and bring them to a place where they're a responsible heir? So get this. It means one who receives by a lot. One who receives the possession by right of sonship. We are sons of God. We are the son of God. You're a child of God. Listen to some of the scriptures that talk about heir. Paul said in Romans, for the promise to Abraham or his descendants that he would be an heir to the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. How many know today we become heirs through faith? Paul said in Romans, for we are led, we who are being led by the Spirit are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. Listen to me. There's one thing I know today. I know I'm a child of God. Why do I know that? Because the Spirit of God bears witness. 
And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so we may also glorify them. In Galatians, and if you being to Christ, belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 4, it's kind of interesting. We sang this song today, No Longer Slaves. Galatians 4, therefore you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through God. The kindness of God appeared. I receive it by faith. I, by faith, I become a son. I become born again. The Holy Spirit's renewing me. And now I live my life as a child, a son, an heir of God. So here's my question to you this morning. My question to you this morning is what does an heir look like? What does an heir look like? I mean, we quote the scripture, I'm an heir, I'm a child of God, I'm a, I got an inheritance, and all this stuff, right? What does an heir look like? I got an easy answer for you. Ready? Drum roll. An heir looks like Jesus. Now I'm going to go through that in a moment. An heir looks like Jesus. The Bible says I'm a fellow heir with Jesus. If I'm a fellow heir, how many know he's the heir that sets the standard? He's the heir that sets the standard. There is no explaining what it means to be an heir with Christ without looking at Christ. How can I explain to you, explain to myself, what it means to be an heir of God without looking at Christ? I got a standard, man. You know what's wonderful about Scripture? Is that I always have a standard to go to that's perfect. Jesus. In my dealings with other people, Jesus is a standard. How many of you ever wanted to lash out on Facebook? I wanted to yesterday about 6 o'clock. And I'm going to tell you what I did. I read this post. I went, I mean, it's angry typing. And I went, you're a moron. Delete that. That is not going to reveal the Father to anyone. But it would feel good, God. (laughs) But it would feel so good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm just wondering, because, man, I don't want to be the only, you know, carnal person in the place. I cannot explain and I cannot understand what it is to be an heir without looking at Jesus, who was the Son of God, an heir, my fellow heir. So my, my life as an heir should look like Jesus. Let me give you a few points on this, like a few is relative, right? Okay? But I'm going to give you some points on this. I want to go through this. All right, as an heir, first of all, as an heir, Jesus lived with the agenda of the Father. The son came to the earth. He was the heir. He's my fellow heir. He had an agenda in his life. And his agenda for his life was one thing, the will of the father. The will of the father. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. How many of you today say that your agenda is his agenda? Well, how many of you know sometimes we like to tell them what our agenda is? Excuse me. Got a list for you today. The agenda of the father becomes the agenda of the son. The agenda of the father becomes the agenda of the son. Of the air. The agenda of heaven was Jesus' mission on earth. 
You are not saved just to become an heir when you get to heaven. You are saved to become an heir now and live as an heir now. Come on. Come on. The agenda of the father was the mission of the son. This agenda had a demand to it. It it demanded radical obedience. Radical obedience. He was radical. He was radically obedient to the father. This agenda demanded radical sacrifice. This, This agenda demanded radical submission to the father. If you want to live as an heir today in the example of Jesus, it's going to demand radical obedience, radical sacrifice, and radical submission. It just is. But yet that's not a bad thing. Do, do, you, know, do you know what it is that drives us to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's not his authority. It's his love. It's his love. Paul used the illustration of husbands and wives. Husbands, love your Christ as Christ. I love your Christ. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. The church willingly submits to the one who's the lover of her soul. You see, it's hard to be a part of God's agenda without obedience, sacrifice, and submission. What's your agenda? Is it God's? Is it the Father's? An heir, as an heir, Jesus lived. With the agenda of the Father. As an heir, Jesus lived as a recipient who became a giver. I'm not talking about money, although that's part of it. Most people, a lot of Christians today, are living their Christian life as only a recipient of the inheritance, not a giver of it. Do you understand that you have a, I'll get to this in a minute. Heirs are not just recipients of the things of God. They are givers of the things of God. If you're living as only a recipient, you are not living as an heir of the model of Christ. Take me through scripture and show me men and women who were heirs of God who only lived for themselves. Today's church got to be careful. We've got to be careful in today's era, today's culture. It's a narcissistic culture. It's a meat culture. And how many know the model of Christianity, I talked about Wednesday night, is me three. Your position in the divine order of the kingdom is third. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many know you're number three? You want your marriage to work? Take the third position. Now, that doesn't mean a spouse is going to take the third position. You want to have a great relationship with your kids? Take the third position. You want to have a great relationship with other people in your life? Take the third position. But what we do is we put God first and put us second. That's out of divine order. And when you get out of divine order, how many know you'll cause disorder? Disorder is a result of getting something out of order. For some reason, people think it's only about what they're receiving. How many know it's also about what you do? As an heir, Jesus lived with the responsibility of an heir. How many know I'm responsible for what I receive? 
How many know I'm responsible for my salvation? How many want your inheritance, those who you leave an inheritance to, to be responsible with it? I have a responsibility to the Father. Jesus had a responsibility to the Father. God is entrusting to me certain things within his kingdom into my life. Anybody feel the weight of that? Do you know there are some things that he entrusts to you? I want to say this. There are some things he's waiting to entrust to you, but you can't get out of the immature state to receive the inheritance. You want more without taking more responsibility. You want more without giving more. He's entrusting me things of his kingdom. I have a responsibility to the Father. But you know what? I have a responsibility to my fellow heirs. You and I have a responsibility to each other as body of Christ. I have a responsibility to love you. I have a responsibility to serve you. I have a responsibility to pray for you. I have a responsibility to bear your burdens with you. But guess what? You got the responsibility back. Look to the left and right. You got a responsibility sitting next to you. Hello. What's that old song? Jesus on the main line? I'd sing it, but I don't know it. I only know those couple words. Right? You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Listen to me. I have a responsibility to the world. To the unbelieving world. To those who don't know Christ. I have a responsibility. I've received the inheritance of salvation. I have received it from God the Father. I'm a child of God. I have a responsibility to the unsaved. You've got a responsibility. Imagine had the apostles never ran with the responsibility that was given to them. You wouldn't be here. Think about this. As an heir, Jesus used faith and authority to express the power of the Father, the power of the kingdom. His heir, come on. He was given power. He was given authority. He took that power. He took that authority. He took that faith. And with that power and with that authority and with that faith, he changed lives. Listen to what he... Think about it. Make no mistake about it. The power of the Father is part of the inheritance of the sons. Isn't it? Or are we just good talking about it? Are we just like quoting it? The apostles, the early church... The power of the Father was demonstrated through them. When Peter and, John, Peter, Peter and John go to the place of prayer, what do they do? By faith in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. They healed people. They set people free. They raised the dead. They healed the sick. How I many know we need to use faith sometimes to express the power of God? Why? The world needs a demonstration of the power of God. Believers need a demonstration of the power of God. We need to reveal, use our faith to reveal the God of heaven to the world. Every time Jesus exercised his faith and did a miracle, he was revealing the God of heaven. It was a revelation of the Father. 
We need to use faith to propel us into the agenda of God. Because let me tell you one thing about the agenda of God. It requires and demands faith. I'd just like to start one project, just one project in my life that I've already had the money in the checkbook. Not God's checkbook either, mine. I know he's got it there. <laughs> Come on. Anybody with me? No. Demands faith. God's agenda was the promised land, but you're going to use faith to cross the Jordan. God's agenda was the promised land, but you're going to use faith to go around Jericho. God's agenda, over and over and over, demands you exercise faith. The reason that some of us miss the agenda of God isn't because we didn't hear it. It's because we didn't combine it with faith. We need to use our authority as believers to offset evil in the world. How many of you know there's evil in the world? Have you looked around lately? Bless you. We need to use the authority of heaven to serve this world. Do you understand what Jesus was doing? I'll hurry. As an heir, Jesus lived in the kingdom of this world with an allegiance to the kingdom not of this world. <laughs> I love, love, love that I am not a Democrat first, a Republican first, an Independent first, a Green Party first. I'm glad you can't define my God's kingdom by a Republican Party or a Democratic Party or a political system. My kingdom that I'm allegiance to is separate from this world, greater than this world, higher than this world. It's got a standard all of its own. That's where our allegiance is. Jesus didn't come to serve the pharisaical system. He didn't come to serve the Roman system. He came to serve the agenda of heaven. That he had an allegiance to the kingdom. Remember when Satan came to him? He said, all these kingdoms are mine. I'll give them to you if you only bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, I got an allegiance that's higher than the kingdoms of this world. As an heir. See how fast I'm moving through these points? And you didn't think I could do it. You need to exercise your faith. As an heir, Jesus lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Remember what the scripture tells us? He goes into the wilderness, tempted by the devil. The Bible says he came out of the, there in the power of the Spirit. And he began to do ministry. He began to serve the Father. In your life, it is the Holy Spirit who should be the greatest influencer of your life. The greatest influencer of our life needs to be the Spirit of God whom we host. The Spirit of God who sometimes touches those parts we don't want him to touch. Amen? The Spirit of God that tells us, you need to get rid of that garbage. But I like it. But I like it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I like it. The power of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. True heirs of God live with the power of the Spirit and the character of the Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. See, yesterday I wanted to operate out of the flesh. It wasn't going to be loving. And it wasn't going to be gentle. But I did exercise some self-control. Praise God for his spirit. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? As an heir, Jesus lived in right relationships with other heirs. As an heir, Jesus lived in right relationship with other heirs. How in the world can you be in the body of Christ and hold a grudge against another member of the body of Christ and have hatred and malice in your heart? I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, Jesus said to pray for those who persecute you. Pray and bless your enemies. That's not the natural way of thinking, is it? I would rather punch my enemy in the face. So violent. How's that grudge going for you, by the way? How many years has it taken off your life? How many wrinkles has it given you? Oh, man, Pastor, you're just so meddling today. Mind your own business. How's the offense going? How's that offense going that you've been nursing and nursing for month after month and year after year and year after year? How's it going for you? You know it's limiting you? Do you know it's limiting your ability to walk in the fullness of the inheritance now? If you're living in offense, you are limiting the inheritance that is yours. Offense never increases inheritance. It minimizes it. Everybody's looking at me like, mind your own business. There's no offense that can bring the good things of God. Let me say something to you. If you're an heir and you've got a fellow heir and you're, 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 you're divided... You're not like Jesus. You're not being like Jesus. The model is Jesus Christ. I'm not understanding how we as believers, I'm not talking to, you think I'm mentioning people in here. No, it's just the body of Christ in general. There's so much offense. There's so much grievances. There's so much division. There's so much strife in the body of Christ. We are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. And quit justifying it. By the Spirit of God, I say to whoever may be in this voice, whether it's in this room, on this live stream, or watching later on, watching on TV, quit minimizing the sin of division and strife and offense. Quit justifying it. It's, you can't. Why? Because it will limit you and it will limit those around you. As an heir, he lived in right relationship. They're talking about a guy who washed the feet of the guy who would betray him. I'd have been washing his feet. Nobody's looking. Break that toe. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? He washed his feet. Peter said, I never knew him. I don't know who he is. Three times. And afterwards, what does Jesus do? I got to go find Peter. I got to go find Peter. I can't let him live this way. I got to make sure I restore him. As an heir, Jesus lived in right relationship 
right relationship with other heirs. You see, I'm almost done. Come on, Troy. That always gives everybody hope. <laughs> Who are you today? Who are you today? You are those. You're the redeemed. You're the body of Christ. You're those who saw the kindness and goodness of God in Jesus Christ and heard the message and the love of God. You're those who put your faith in him. You put your faith and trust in Christ. You're those who received the sacrifice of Jesus by faith. And now you are the redeemed of the Lord. You are the regenerated of God. Born anew from above. You're the sons of God. You're the children of God. Now you are those who are being renewed by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He's molding and shaping and developing you and developing within you what it means to be a son of God. Because how many know, we didn't know how to be a son of God, but the Holy Spirit teaches us. Praise God he teaches us how to become that. You're being transformed, the Bible tells us, from what? Glory to glory. The hope is, I'm getting better. Not because of me, but because of him. You're getting rid of stuff. Some stuff was so good to get rid of, wasn't it? Like, you remember some stuff, it was just like, oh, that's wonderful. And then there's other stuff, no, 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 no. That one's mine. No, no. Let me know what I'm talking about this morning on that. He's developing his fruit in you. He's developing his power in you, the gifts. And you're an heir. In the image of Jesus Christ, your fellow heir. Now the Holy Spirit says to you today, live like an heir. Live like an heir. It's not something you just do someday when you get to heaven. It's something you do right now. You're not just an heir then, you're an heir now. You see, living as an heir is a sacred trust given to a sacred people to reveal a sacred God and a sacred kingdom. When my Jesus walked this earth, he walked it with a sacred trust, entrusted to him by the Father, entrusted to him by God the Father. Here, I'm giving this to you. And I trust you to walk with this. He was a sacred person who gave birth to a sacred people who were given a sacred trust. I have that slide. I have a slide, don't I? Living as an heir. Maybe I don't have a slide. It's on my page. Jesus, your fellow heir, the one who purchased your life, the one who redeemed you, the one who set you free, the one who made you a child of God. He's the model. He's the example of what it is to walk in this world like an heir. How do I live like an heir? I look at Jesus. How do I act like an heir? I look at Jesus. Shame on some of us. Boy, pastor, you're rough today. No, I'm not not being rough. I'm elevating us. I'm calling us higher. We got a standard. We got a place to go. We got to be like him. 
And as long as you are comfortable nursing that stuff in your heart, you will never maximize what God has for you. You will never maximize the inheritance that he's wanted you to live with, not just for. Live like an heir. It's a sacred trust given to a sacred people to reveal a sacred God and a sacred kingdom. That's what my Jesus did. That's what you and I are called to. You're not saved by an altar call this morning. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved this morning because you believe in what he did for you. Stop railing against what he has for you. Stop fighting against it. Stop living according to the flesh. Live according. Because heirs, heirs, the Bible tells me, heirs live according to the promise of God. Okay, I preach enough. Pastors never preach enough. Do you get it this morning? Father, we come this morning. And Lord, we say thank you. We once were those who lived with malice and envy and strife and lived in sin, had a past life. But somewhere, somehow, we got a revelation of the kindness and goodness of you and what your son did. Father, something happened in our heart. Something happened in our spirit. Something happened that caused us to say, I believe and I receive this kindness and I receive this goodness and I receive what Jesus did for me. And there's a transaction took place. I was born anew, born again. Regenerated. And Father, thank you that you give us your spirit who continually is renewing us. And you made us an heir with your son. Help us to live like your son. Help us to live as an heir. An heir, not era, heir. <laughs> Help us to live that way. Help us to live with the responsibility of being an heir, not just a recipient. Help us to live in right relationship with each other. Help us to live, Father, with an allegiance to your kingdom and not a kingdom of this world. So, Father, this day, we would say in this house, we commit ourselves to looking at Jesus so we can live like an heir. How many know if you'll live like an heir, you'll die like an heir? (laughs) So many people are fixated on dying as an heir. Live as an heir, you'll die as an heir. There's a word for you this morning. Father, we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, stand to your feet. Troy.